On this episode of the Breaking the Game Show, Lee Branscombe of HoopsProspects.com comes back and joins Austin and I to wrap up our NBA Draft Graded segment. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back with you after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Breaking the Game show. You're here joined with Stephen Gillespie and Austin Carr, the normal host here on the show. Today, Austin, we have a very special guest, don't we? Yes, we do. We have Lee back again of, you know, the Witch Carolina Twitter and of Hoops uh, Prospects. He's our uh, he's kind of our draft guru. So we're excited to have him. How you doing, Lee? Hey, always a pleasure to join you guys. It's been fun to do these NBA draft segments and kind of reflect on the 2020 class. And and we actually have some games now that some of these guys have played. So that's always fun. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we went from no, no professional film. Now we're starting to get preseason film and you kind of take that, you know, what you're watching with a little bit of a grain of salt because not every team is given their best effort. Not everybody's best players are seeing the floor. If they are, they're not playing a whole heck of a lot. So it's still fun, though, right, Lee, just to see the guys that we were drooling over for like the longest period of time ever of evaluating NBA talent. And now they're finally on the court. Yeah, it's just actually cool to see them in NBA uniforms and kind of, uh, you know, against the backdrop of of familiar NBA players and then kind of injecting all these rookies that, you, like you said, we've been consuming for months and months. And and now we get to we get to see how they shake out a little bit. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And Lee, real quick, this is the first time that we're having you on here on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel brought to you by Dash Radio. And we just want to let you take a quick minute, you know, just to kind of introduce yourself to the people who may not be familiar with the work that you do. I appreciate that and and am always super grateful that you guys continue to have me on to talk draft. Uh, yeah, my name's Lee Branscombe at Witch Carolina on Twitter, W-H-I-C-H Carolina. Um, I'm a former NCAA basketball coach and player, and now I've kind of pivoted into more of sports media writing and, and uh, opinion making, I guess, if that's what you want to call it about the NBA draft. So folks can find me on Twitter. They can find me at hoopsprospects.com. And they can find the Witch Carolina podcast on basically any streaming platform. We've also just kicked off a YouTube channel that you can search Witch Carolina and find too. So thanks for letting me uh, always plug our stuff. It, it is greatly appreciated. And we love having you, Austin. You know, this is this is your guy, right? Like when you're talking about yeah. draft prospects, this is a guy that you turn sure. to to get your information from. What's something that you can share to the listeners real quick about a guy that didn't catch your eye, least kind of turned you on to him? And then you were like, oh, crap, like Lee, Lee's on his game. Um, well, honestly, just from the very get-go, you know, when we were talking about Tyrese Halliburton, you know, I'd, I'd heard you talk about him a little bit, but Lee just kind of echoed everything you said and everything that I felt like I got uh, from him whenever I uh, did some research myself, you know, just listening to him talk on, on NBA radio, a little bit of, of draft prep I did, you know, it, it kind of, you know, he more than – you know, echoed what we were saying and what I actually saw on the tape. So I was just like, you know, obviously this guy knows what he's talking about. You know, he's, a, he's definitely somebody you want to follow on Twitter. He's a great follow. Um, and you know, he does a good job every week of making us look like we know what we're talking about. So 
Wow. Yep, wholeheartedly agree. All right, well, Austin, we got eight teams that we're going to run through today, and Lee's going to give him or give us his takes on each of those teams. Why don't you go ahead and uh, get us started with the first team there, Austin? Yeah, the first team we've got on the list is the Philadelphia 76ers. They had three dra draft picks in this last draft. They took uh, Tyrese Maxey, Isaiah Joe, and Paul Reed. What do you think of those picks there, Lee? Yeah, so I'll just start with the grade. I, I gave the Sixers a C. Um, C C's get degrees, you know. It's it's not a it's not a disaster, but I wasn't uh, overly impressed. Um, Tyrese Maxey is a guy that I've, for better or worse, have probably gotten painted as being lower on him than the consensus. He was thirty first on my board. I've said this before. If Tyrese Maxey proves me wrong, it's gonna be be because. He's just a dogged competitor. I mean, he plays his heart out. He plays with emotion. He has a motor. So, so, so to that point, you know, if he outperforms his draft stock, it's going to be because of that kind of just infectious passion that he plays with, which I do appreciate and, and admire. I just don't really buy the shooting. Uh, he, he's more of a combo than he is a true point or true shooting guard. Um, he can create and he does have some crafty ability to finish around and under and around guys with English on his on his layups and things of that nature. So, you know, and, and Philly needs to continue to kind of try and figure out the point guard position. So maybe they see some some more unearthed facilitation ability than I do right now. I just wasn't massively high on him, although I get why Philadelphia swung at a point guard. But, you know. Malachi Flynn and Peyton Pritchard were both there as well. Um, Malachi Flynn played terrific for the Raptors the other night. Like Steven said, we can't really uh, make too many conclusions from preseason, but but it's a little bit of something. Isaiah Joe, I thought that was great value late in the second round. He was 39th on my board. Isaiah Joe is a gunner, and I mean that as a compliment. I, he attempted, I believe, the most threes per possession for any of the uh, players in this draft class. So what I'm saying is he gets shots up and he didn't have a super high three point percentage. Um, I think he was mid thirties, but on the volume that he shot, that's really impressive. He's also a movement shooter. He doesn't have to be catch and shoot. He can come off a screen. Philadelphia needs to continue to add shooting. Right. And then Paul Reed guy, I had 50th on my draft board. They got him at 58th unique defensive prospect. The offense is going to have to catch up eventually. He's not a shooter. He's a adequate ball handler at best, probably even less than adequate. Um, but a guy who has a knack for making steals and blocks at the right time and has great size. So unique defensive prospect, all that kind of tie a bow on it. Get, gets a C for me. Yeah. Okay. Austin, how did you feel overall by the draft brother? Um, you know, I like Maxi a little bit coming into this draft. Um, I thought they got him in a, at a pretty good spot. You know, a lot of people were saying he could end up in the lottery. So to get him where they did in the early 20s isn't bad. And I was I was pretty high on Paul Reed. I liked him a lot, too. He Me was too. one of the people that I, I definitely had, uh, you know, looking out for ahead of the draft. Somebody that I thought could I end up 24th on my board. Yeah, I had him 24th. Yeah. Like so him. you know, I, I was in the I was in the B range for him on this one. You know, I don't know that they necessarily filled a whole lot of needs, but I think they got some some talented players. Yeah, and I gave him a solid B B plus somewhere in that range. I could actually be talked up to an A to B. Quite honest with you, I, you know, Maxi was twenty fifth on my board, right? I was kind of like you, Lee. I didn't really believe in 
his all around game. It's hard to read in Kentucky where he shared the floor with, you know, two other guards that kind of, you can make that same argument against both of those two guys, both of those two guys too, right. With like Hagens and quickly Uh, Isaiah Joe had him exactly at 49. He was taking at 49. So, you know, they, they did great there. Mm -hmm. And then, like I mentioned, Paul Reed 24th on my board, got him at 58. Uh, I just like his kind of do it all, you know, Swiss army. knife. he kind of reminds me of Jeff green in that sense that he can, do a little bit of everything, not anything like super well, but early on that was good enough for Jeff Green to be a really good NBA player, and I, I kind of have that same kind of notion to to Paul Reed there, Lee. Yeah, I actually I, I don't think I'd heard that comp, and I mean Jeff Green probably a little bit better of a playmaker than Paul sure. Reed, the young player, but I, I actually I kind of like that comp and had not heard that one before, so I think that's a good point. Um, yeah, do you just buy? Maybe you just buy his ability down the road to be able to stretch the floor a little bit more than I, I do. Actually. I do buy his shooting. I think yeah. his defense and rebounding, and uh, you know, somewhat ability. Like he's the type of dude that can put the ball on the floor twice and make a smart play. Is what I see him being. Not necessarily you know, like a breakdown dribbler or anything like that, but you know, can he won't keep the ball stagnant. Oh yeah, and and from a defensive versatility, uh, defensive versatility standpoint, he is. I mean, that's his special skill, right? I mean, this guy could conceivably eventually be a two through five defender. You know, obviously um, with a few exceptions in in those matchups, but he's can really guard across the positional spectrum, which is valuable in today's NBA. Wholeheartedly agree. All right, now we're going to roll into the Phoenix Suns. They had the 10th pick. They had a busy offseason. A lot of curiosity surrounding who they were going to get with this pick, Lee. Did it go the way that you expected with them taking Jalen Smith? I think a guy that I think a lot of people like low-key liked as like a dark horse good player, but maybe kind of was overpicked, you know, for my liking. How did you feel about him going 10th? Yeah, so I think this is kind of one of those situations where NBA draft Twitter and like nationwide fanhood kind of divert. Like, I think most people were surprised from a national standpoint that Jalen Smith went 10th. I do think he started the closer we got to the draft, the more love I felt he got in kind of the Twitter verse world. I was really high on Jalen Smith. He was 11th on my board, so he just went one spot ahead of ahead of where I had him. He was a riser on my board. Um, my base case for why Jalen Smith uh, is a top, you know, 12 lottery type pick is the combination of floor stretching and rim protection. Um, mm-hmm. He's not only just like a pick and pop floor stretcher, like a lot of these kind of traditional fours that you see. He's a guy at 6'11 that Maryland would run, you know, screen pin down action for almost as if he was a shooting guard. So you would mm-hmm. see Jalen Smith set up under the basket for Mark Turgeon and have like a floppy set, two screens on one side, one on the other, pick the way you want to go, curl, fade, all these types of things. So as just kind of a movement shooter, floor stretcher, as a pick and pop floor stretcher, and then on the other end, with the ability to block shots, I I like his I I like the bet on Jalen Smith for Phoenix. I, I think he's a much different player than DeAndre Ayton, which is a good thing. Um, he is even a different player than Saric, although they have a little bit of skill overlap. Um, so I like the fit. I love the long term trajectory um, for his ability. I don't know how much he'll play right away because the Phoenix Suns are pretty loaded right now. Um, 
but I think he's straddling that fence of maybe gives you some rotational minutes, but also might be a really nice piece in two to three years. That's kind of how I view him, but I love his upside. So I had him, I had him 11th, like I said, B plus for the Suns. Okay. Austin, what are your thoughts on this? I I love the Jalen Smith pick. You know, I just got done watching him kind of terrorize the Big Ten for the Mm. last couple of seasons. You know, um, I'm a I'm kind of a Big Ten guy when it comes to college. You know, a double double in the Big Ten to me always kind of signifies you know you're doing something really well. Uh, Versatility, I think, is the name of the game here. Can do a lot of everything. You know, he's six ten. He's got a huge wingspan. He's he's good enough to defensively right now to kind of, I think, come in and make an impact for that team. Um, you know, 0.67 points per post up possession on defense is what he gave up this last year in college. So, you know, that's in the top like 75% in the country. So, you know, that to me says that he's, he's somebody that can, I, I think can come in and at least make a, make a little bit of a difference on the defensive end, maybe right away for this team. And we, you know, we saw kind of their, their turn towards defense a little bit in the bubble. They, they played some guys that maybe were more a little bit, you know, defensive minded than offensive necessarily. And I think that that was kind of a recipe for success for them, obviously. So I like the pick a lot. You know, I gave them an A for this pick, actually. I think they they did a really good job taking Jalen Smith. Um, that That's all fair. I gave them a B minus. I, I think that experimenting with Halliburton, you know, on this team would have been something really interesting, especially if Smith isn't going to get much playing time. Really think Sadiq Bay would have been, also been a really good pick here. Both of those guys were available. I had Smith 18, and he was kind of a guy that, I, like I was alluding to earlier, I really liked him. I think that he could have been like a dark horse guy, but I just feel like he was over, like he was overvalued by the Suns. And to me, it didn't make sense that you know they're kind of in a win now mode. Chris Paul maybe he's got what like two seasons in him where he's going to be really productive. So getting a guy that's not going to immediately contribute, I, I don't think kind of fit their timeline. But ultimately, I like the player, I like the team, I like the coach, I like their development ultimately just gave him B minus. I just felt like they kind of overreached on him a little bit there, Lee. Yeah, I think that's a fair point in regards to, well, who else was still on the board? Like, mm-hmm. yes, I love Jalen Smith, and I think it's a terrific pick for all the reasons I laid out earlier, but I do think that's a fair counterpoint. counterpoint. Um, Sadiq Bay would have been a really nice fit in Phoenix, Um even Kira Lewis Jr. or Tyrese Halliburton would have been a decent fit fit in mm-hmm. Phoenix, especially with Ricky Rubio out the door. Even though you have Chris Paul, like you said, Chris Paul's not going to be there forever. And, and De- Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, Bridges, all these guys, they still have a really young nucleus, even yep. though they added Chris Paul. So um, I, th- I think that's a fair counterpoint. Okay, excellent. Yeah, and they got Sarge too. They got some young and Cameron Payne had himself a, a nice yeah. little resurgence in the bubble. So maybe they believe in Cameron Payne. All right. Now, Austin, who's the next team that we got on the docket? Next up, we have the Portland Trailblazers. And they traded away their 16th pick, the rights to um oh man, I just had it right in front of me. Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah, yeah. Isaiah Stewart, thank you. See, this is why you're on the show, Lee. <laughs> but they were they did keep the draft rights to their 46th pick, C.J. Ellaby. What did you think of that pick, Lee? Yeah, so C.J. Ellaby was a guy that I did not fully dive into until really late in the draft process just for whatever reason you know you're trying to get through all these guys and and I had never uh I had never caught a game of his while evaluating Pritchard or a Kongwu or Chris Smith or any of those guys so um Mm. once I started watching him 
he gave me enough in, in the first game that I evaluated. I'm like, okay, there's there's a little bit of something here. He's a really – I mean, not only does he have a little bit of a strange physical appearance, but he's also kind of a strange player. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a 6'6 wing that doesn't really do anything great but also doesn't have a glaring deficiency. Like, he's an average athlete. He's a solid shooter. He can play make a little bit. He, he gets in passing lanes on defense. He shows some basketball feel and instinctual kind of – two-way um stuff so the more and more i watched him he got he he climbed onto my board pretty quickly so for reference i had cj ellaby at 51 on my board the trailblazers took him at 46 obviously the portland trailblazers spent the entire offseason adding wing depth which they mm-hmm. desperately needed this was another attempt at that um so cj ellaby is a guy who is not um he's not shy to shoot um, he he can create a little bit in isolation with step backs and jab steps and uh, pull ups, and he can shoot from deep too. Although he's not a t- terrifically efficient shooter yet, range is not an issue for him. He's got some size, like I said. A lot of these, a lot of these rate, a lot of these late second round picks don't stick. I give CJ Ellaby like an outside chance to stick in the league because of his size and a little bit of uh what is it jack of all trades master of none um sometimes that can work against you sometimes that can be a niche you can fill it'll be interesting to see how that works for him in portland uh solid b you know it's a late second round pick and they took a guy that has a chance very nice very nice yeah i i'm actually pretty pretty big on cjlb as well um you know this is like a b plus a minus pick for me you know 41% from 3 his in his freshman year uh, his name's all over the record books there for Washington yeah. State. Third fastest player in Washington State to score a thousand points. Two-time Pac-12 Player of the Week became the first player in Washington State history to lead the team in scoring, rebounding, steals, and blocks in a single season. So you know you could make the argument that he's the best player to really ever come through that school. And an interesting little thing Whoa, is Clay Thompson. Okay, yeah, Clay Thompson. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> yeah. about him. All right, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> right, I forgot that's where he went. Thank you. Um, but a cool little thing, his dad, uh, Bill, was actually on the coaching staff at Cal when uh, Jason Kidd was there. I don't know if that means anything, but that was a cool little interesting thing I read about him today. Um, I like to pick a lot. You know, he's six foot six. He can hit threes. He can, you know, he can really fill it up. He had a 30-point game in the in the Pac-12 tournament. So it was their Washington State's first win in the, in the tournament in 11 years. So wow. He kind of led that team to a, a lot of things that they hadn't done in a while. So, you know, I, I like to pick a lot, especially all the way down at 46 like that. I think they got a lot of value there for that pick. I wasn't so in love with it, guys. I'm going to be honest. I just I gave him a D. Uh, LB rated out at 84th on my board overall. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you just took out that bottom half, right? Like they, you still had guys like Isaiah Joe, who I think would have been an interesting pick for them. Uh, Cassius Stanley, I think would have been an outstanding get for them as well. And then even taking a stab at a guy like Jay Scrub, when you just mentioned that they already got a lot of their guard depth or, or forward depth there, and they also got their front court depth. I would have really liked to see them go after a point guard here. I mean, they just must be all in on Anthony Simons being, being able to take that next step. I'm not wholeheartedly sold, but I gave them a D, guys. And, and Lee, I don't know what you you make of my evaluation. No, I mean, look, there were a couple other guys there that I also had rated above Ellaby, so that's not completely insane in my mind. And um, Portland, as, as great as an offseason, as I did feel like they had from a roster need standpoint, 
you're absolutely right in the fact that they kind of ignored the fact they haven't had great production from their backup point guard spot. And look, Damian Lillard plays 40 minutes a night. So, so that's not a gaping hole for them. And maybe they believe in the development of Anthony Simons, like you pointed to, but he had some chances in the bubble and didn't really impress to be completely honest. So, um, that is an interesting point in, in, in regards to what Simon's going to be like this year. And did they make a mistake by not throwing a dart at kind of the young point guard dartboard? Yeah. They didn't even do it in free agency either, which to me, like it was just like that. Maybe they're going to run, you know, McCollum a little bit more at the point than what we're used to seeing. And and, they do that some, you know, when, when, if, if, if Dame's off the floor and it's, and it's minutes where CJ isn't resting, of course he can kind of primary operate, but, um, they can Look, run it through Nurkic too, you know. He Nurkic, he kind of has a little bit of playmaking so ability too. Yeah. So he's so good. And and yeah. and Gary Trent Jr. He's not a he's not a primary playmaker, but you could you can get away with him running a couple pick and rolls here like or there. Tertiary type guy, yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right, well now we're gonna roll into the Sacramento Kings. I I'm just gonna throw it out there. I love their draft Lee. Uh, they got our darling. All three of us love Tyrese Halliburton. They took him 12th got Robert Woodard at 40 and they got Jameis Ramsey at 43. Lee, I'm dying to see what you gave the Kings here in this draft, brother. It's an A, man. I mean, you get Tyrese Halliburton at 12. I thought I had, he was second on my board. You know, I've, I've done multiple Tyrese Halliburton rants on this, on this show. So I'll I'll spare you guys that again, but Look, I mean, he the other night, even in his first preseason game, he didn't put up eye popping stats, but he played 20 minutes and, you were starting to see the uh, indications of that Jedi level two-way instincts that he showed at Iowa State. I mean, he had a steal that led to a dunk. He was getting in passing lanes. He was hitting guys in the numbers with some impressive passes in the half court. I, I think he's going to be just a star. And um, Jamias Ramsey was 37th on my board. So to get him at 43, I thought was very fair value, right in the range I, I thought he deserved to go. Uh, Ramsey's got a really pretty jumper. He's a solid um, a solid bet to maybe have some two-way value because he can guard a little bit too. And he's physical, especially for a freshman, uh, for a young prospect. Um, so the two post-draft regrets I have just a little bit are Robert Woodard and Precious. I think I was a little too low on Precious, and I think I was slightly unreasonably high on Robert Woodard. I had Robert Woodard 13th. I probably should have had him more like 17th. Um, I still love him, and I still think they got a first-round talent at number 40. So yeah. he abs- this, is, this draft is an A for the Sacramento Kings. Robert Woodard is a 6'7", 230-pound um floor stretching wing that can also guard probably twos, threes, and even some fours in the NBA, in my opinion, because of how strong he is. Um, so, and I think he's going to get a chance to play because the, the Kings don't have um, copious amounts of wing depth behind kind of Harrison Barnes um, and, 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 and some of the other guys they have. So uh, again, Halliburton being the second best player on my board, Robert Woodard being a first round grade, and, and getting Jamias Ramsey in a healthy range, I don't see how I can give them anything but an A. Yeah, um, Austin, just real quick, I'll give it to you, but I gave them an A+. Halliburton was fourth on my board. Woodard was 36. 
Ramsey was 28th. Uh, I just I think that it's a still like even if you got a little bit of a redundancy having Hield and Fox in your backcourt, we all know that Hield has been a, had a little bit of a tumultuous tenure in Sacramento, Austin. I gave them an A plus. Yeah. I mean, it's you just, know I'm I'm right there with you guys. Uh, I'm an A for the all three of these picks. I love all three of these guys. You know, like you guys said, we all had Halliburton in the, at the very least in our top five, and to get him at twelve, I mean, that's just you know, still right in their lap. Right. <laughs> and, you know, Xavier Tillman, he's, you know, I, I think maybe a little bit of a, of a stretch at, at 35, but a great defender, you know, well, they, didn't, the, they didn't keep, they didn't keep Tillman. Oh, they, they didn't they keep had Tillman. Halliburton, Woodard and Ramsey. Yeah. Woodard. That's right. Okay. Trades, yeah. My bad. It's all no, good. Well, never mind that. I'll just talk about James Ramsey. Cause I've got something here for him anyway, too. I liked okay. him a lot too. Um, you know, I watched him a little bit at Texas tech, uh, for some unknown reason, I always seem to find myself watching several Texas Tech games every year. It's one of those athletes, people. dude. It's like Florida State. You're going to watch a good athlete. Yeah, I always end up finding myself just on a random afternoon or evening watching them on finding them on TV and watching them. I like Chris Beard, their coach. I think he's a, a pretty solid coach. Um, but Ramsey, you know, he was the Big Twelve Freshman of the Year. He can really score. He's got he's got pretty good size for a wing. You know, he's six four. Uh, a pretty good wingspan. Um, he played a lot for for them as a freshman and and really showed a lot of offensive skill. Um, so you know, I was I was really big on all these picks for them. So yeah, a right along with you guys. Yeah, and um, Austin, we got our next team on the docket. Who who do we got next, brother? We got the San Antonio Spurs. They selected Devin Vassell with the eleventh pick, and then with the forty first overall pick, they took Trey Jones. Mm-hmm. How do you think about that, Lee? What do you think about those picks? Yeah, so uh, C plus for me. Um, you know, again, to, to not to belabor the point, but like Tyrese Halliburton in San Antonio would have been just a dream come true. <laughs> what are they? What were right. they thinking? <laughs> um, so, so they did pass on Halliburton. Now, to be fair, you know they've got Derek White, they've got Dejounte Murray. Yeah. Um, so, Patty so I. Mills. I Patty Mills, right? I get it from that perspective. I get it from a roster fit perspective. And and Devin Vassell, he was 14th on my board. Um, I, I was higher on Sadiq Bay than Devin Vassell, which was kind of a minority opinion in this draft. But um, me, brother, right? I, I know you you were on Sadiq just like I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I you know I can't I can't dock them for taking Devin Vassell. He had a pretty nice showing in his in his first preseason game. He's one of, if not the best, uh, team uh, wing defenders in this draft. Um, he's a, a lengthy six six. He, sh- I, I don't love his shooting mechanics, but you mm-hmm. cannot argue with the results. I mean, he's been a plus forty percent three point shooter his entire time in Tallahassee. Um, don't see him much as a, as a creator. Some people buy his ability to create and make plays more than I do. Um, but at the end of the day, if all you're getting is a thir- is a plus 38% three-point shooter and an above-average wing defender, you've probably uh, done yourself a win at, at, at number 11. So like the Vassell pick, don't love it. Um, Trey Jones, Trey Jones had a had an early second-round grade for me, um, 34. They got him at 41. The best hands defensively in this entire draft, I mean, he will just take the ball from you. Uh, he he does it all the time against good guards in the ACC. He'll probably be able to do that at the NBA level too. He, <coughs> excuse me. He improved as a shooter. Um, 
His three-point percentage went up nine or ten percentage points between his freshman and sophomore year, which is pretty impressive. If that trend continues, his ceiling is a lot higher. I don't know if I buy him as a plus 35% three-point shooter in the league, but if that happens, he could potentially be like a fringe starter level because he's such a great on-ball defender and he's a good creator and he's a good passer. Not, not a um, – not an elite athlete, but uses his athleticism functionally. So he kind of gets the most out of the athleticism he has, even though he's not a complete freak. Um, very Spursy pick, I feel like. Smart, tough, um, just just a ball player, really. So uh, C-plus for the Spurs. Don't hate it. Don't love it. Understand why they did it. Very nice, very nice. Steven, what do you think of these Spurs picks? What'd you, what grade did you give them? I feel like I feel like Lee was literally reading all of the notes that I had on Jones, except I had him at 32, vice 34. But all the same, I, I even wrote in my notes like he's a very Spurs guy. Uh, I, you know, he's got strong range of passing ability, not a plus athlete is how I worded it. So along that same line with you, but uh, just very he 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 has like a grandpa game, you know, like the guy <laughs> that you play at the Y, and he's just like he just fundamentally just beat you and that's like the spurs mantra right there right so i thought that they did well to get him there i had vassal significantly lower than than the consensus and i took a lot of flack for it like did you even watch him play type comments Uh, i I had him 26 and that's even lower than what you had him lee i'm not in love with a shot not in love with his ball handling you mentioned the best thing that he does is team defend but i think that he gets a strong reputation as like this just dominant on-ball guy who's just going to be able to come in and check the best NBA players in an isolation style defense and you, you know Austin you could pull it up if you want to on synergy he just he does not grade out well in, in isolation compared to the praise and recognition that he receives uh, you know Florida State has a reputation of putting in these guys that are projected to be great defenders I mean he, he reminds me a lot of Chris Singleton I've said it a lot here on the show um and, you know, Wizards fans could maybe tell you if they remember that far back enough that that didn't really work out that well. So and he had the same things too. didn't have a good shot, you know, was a very good athlete, was a, a terrific defender in Florida State. So I don't know. I just it could just be the bias that I have towards Florida State. But he does kind of check those typical Florida State boxes that you see guys come into the league with and they and they struggle when they adjust to NBA level defense. So even the stuff that he's projected to be really good at. I don't necessarily buy in that offense is a little bit suspect to me. He, I think he's good enough to be taken in the first round. Obviously I just didn't have him that highly. Yeah. Yeah. T- totally fair. Um, oh, and I gave him a B minus. I don't think I gave him my grade, but yeah, B minus. Cause I like Trey Jones. Yeah. I like Trey a lot. Yeah. I, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. You know, Trey Jones, you know, defensive player of the year in the ACC. I, I, I was pretty high on that pick. Uh, Devin Vassell, um, didn't really seem like anything jumped off the page at me too much, you know, when I looked at him. It just, you know, first round talent, but not, you know, top seven, top 10, like people were, some people were saying. And, you know, to take him one spot ahead of Tyrese Halliburton like that, I just, I, that, that kind of pushed it down into the C's for me. I gave him a C plus. Look, I took flack for uh, back in May and May, May, April, and June saying that Patrick Williams was the superior prospect at Florida State. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, not to take a victory lap here, but obviously that's how it ended up playing out. I mean, Patrick Williams ends up going forward to Chicago, and that's because I think he has real star upside qualities. Devin Fassell, 
I think is going to be a good NBA player, but I don't see the high end upside. Now, if I'm wrong about his ability to end up to, to, to end up being able to create for himself, then it's a different story. But I, yeah, I'm just, I'm that's just the not big thing. I'm just not buying it yet. And that's totally fair. All right. Now we're going to roll into the, you know, the San Antonio Spurs of the East now, the Toronto <laughs> Raptors, right? Uh, they took your boy Malachi Flynn at 29. They took some guy named Jalen Harris at 59. You could probably tell me more about Jalen. I didn't really evaluate much of him at all. He didn't even make my top 100. So I'm going to let you tell me why I was wrong to not have him in there, Lee. Sure. Yeah. Not a problem. So two guys in the same conference, right? San Diego mm-hmm. State and Nevada. Uh, played each other twice this year, maybe even three times, actually, if they ended up playing in the uh, WCC uh, tournament. Um, Anyways, Malachi Flynn, 29 to Toronto. I had him 27th on my board. Um, Mentioned him earlier as a guy I would have loved in Philadelphia at 21. The uh, One of, if not the best pick and roll practitioner in this draft. He is terrific coming off a ball screen, either to get into a dribble jump shot or to get to his counterpart, whether that's a roll to the rim or throwing it back to a pick and pop big or finding a shooter in the opposite corner. He's pretty dynamic as a slasher, although he's not a great athlete. So he's not going to finish over you, but he's quick enough, uh, intelligent enough and crafty enough to get in the lane and make plays. He may have some trouble finishing over, you know, NBA sized, length and rim protection but his shooting and his pick and roll ability is going to translate right away for toronto and look kyle lowry didn't play the other night so not sure what his rotational outlook will look like but as kind of the third guard behind lowry and van vliet you have him over terrence davis well terrence davis i think is more of a floor stretcher than he is a primary ball handler so yeah, I mean, you're going to see Terrence Davis at the wing for sure. I think Flynn and Terrence Davis can play together in the second unit. You'll see a lot of Matt Thomas, too, who's another floor stretcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought the Malachi Flynn pick was terrific. It's totally seems like a like a Messiah Jerry pick, you know, get him in and develop him. If anybody can develop small guards, it's the Raptors staff. They have Or a- anybody at all. <laughs> or anyone in general. Yeah, that's a great point. Um and yeah, let me let me tell you about Jalen Harris a little bit. So uh 6'6 wing from the University of Nevada, just a firecracker as a scorer. I mean, he's a he's a he's a wing that is wired to score. Um, pretty good on ball creation. Like he's not gonna be your primary guy, especially not at the NBA level, but he absolutely dominated the ball at Nevada at times. Um, just had some massive games, 35 plus games in league play, especially towards the end of the year. He can really shoot it. Um, defensively, he's adequate, but he's thin, and he's not an elite lateral mover. So what I'm trying to say is, like, positionally, he does a good job. He's in the right spot. He knows how to stunt. He knows how to help. He knows how to be, weak, you know, weak side, backside help, that, those type of things. But he's not going to blow you away as, like, an on-ball just pest or anything like that. So – Jalen Harris, I don't think we'll see a ton of him this year because of the wings that Toronto already have and have already been developing. Um, Probably a good candidate as kind of um, a little bit of G League, a little bit of NBA. But to to get him at 59, I had him at 42 on my board. I think Mm. a really good 
uh, value. And, you know, obviously the Raptors have been one of the best drafting front offices in the NBA over the past decade. So uh, you got to think that they saw something in them. Uh, yeah. Uh, you kind of sold me a little bit on them. Like I said, like I, I you, Lee, you know how we talk about this all the time offline, like how extensive our draft lists are and how much we like kind of shape them down. And Jalen Harris didn't even make my top 100. So I'm just, I was just kind of curious to see like what I was missing in the guy and I'll take my lumps in my rookie year and, you know, sitting down and actually evaluating talent. So well, that's fine with me. Feel any better, the only reason I found him was through watching a Malachi Flynn game. And I'm like, who is this cat? You know, this what I mean? guy kind of pops, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Austin, what did you think about the the Raptors draft? Um, you know, Malachi Flynn, it sounds like they got a, a huge steal at that let that late in the draft to me. I mean, from what I'm reading about him, from what you guys have said about him, you know, a, a great point guard prospect. It, he was the Mountain West player, uh, player of the year. Yep. He was, you know, 17 points per game. He, he seems to me like he's got everything going for him. Um, you know, th this is a couple of guys that I don't didn't really know a whole lot about. Malachi Flynn, though, from what I'm reading about him, he definitely sounds like somebody I would be excited about if I was a Toronto fan. Um, so I didn't have a whole lot to add to what you guys said. I, I, I'll put them in like the, the B range for this one. I yeah. got him. Oh, it's go ahead, Lee. Oh, sorry. I said WCC in their Mountain West. So that's a good correction. And then Same the only thing. other thing I was going to say is um, I think you guys will know what I mean when I say this. Like when you watch Malachi Flynn play, he just looks like a pro point guard, like just the way yeah. he kind of is poised and mature. got a mature game. Yeah, yeah, just the way he operates looks like it will translate to the NBA level. So we'll see. Yeah, I like those guys that where it feels like the game is kind of moving around them. You know, totally. like they they have that kind of you know maturity fluidity to their game. Right, I call it a grandpa game because it's like mm -hmm. it doesn't matter that they're not super explosive. They just kind of know where to go in in the flow of a game. Uh, I gave them a C. I didn't really have Malachi Flynn rated that high. I already talked to you all about Harris. I think, though, that this draft, they kind of maybe felt like Van Vliet was a real threat to leave in the offseason mm. because they did not replenish their front court depth at all whenever they lost Serge Ibaka and Gasol. So I am of the belief that if they knew that Van Vliet was going to stay, they probably would have went with a guy like Oturu, maybe, you know, Vernon Carey or Nick Richards, you know, at that spot. Maybe they could have you know, drafted a front court guy that granted they have Chris Boucher, but he's more of like that pogo stick type mm -hmm. Brandon, Brandon Wright type player almost, if you will. Um, I just don't think that they address the, the need enough. Um, even in the, even in the, you know, free agency, they brought in Aaron Baines. So, I mean, I like Baines, but I don't know if I like him to be like, okay, I'm a, I'm a good replacement guy for the guys that y'all lost. So I just think that the guys that they missed on, like even late in the second, they could have got Paul Reed, you know, maybe make a move to go up a spot, you know, to get Paul Reed or even like if they stayed like maybe Travell and Queen would have been a, a good pick for mm -hmm. them at, at that spot, Lee. Yeah, no. Look, anytime you lose Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka in one offseason, that, that's a that's a tough blow. I mean, those were two uh, obviously massive contributors to their title two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you're right. Aaron Baines is not what either one of those guys are. Uh, he's not what Serge Ibaka is now, and he's not what Mark Gasol was even post his prime. So, right. um, look, he he can stretch the floor. He he's an adequate, serviceable big. You know, they they obviously are betting on Chris Boucher's development, and and, and that's going to be, I think, a a pretty big X factor in their 
uh, in their year this year, especially when it comes playoff time. If, if Chris Boucher is not serviceable, that Raptors rotation is going to get really thin. And it was and was really thin last year. They really only had seven guys they could play when it got down to super important crunch time. Um, look, last night in the in the Charlotte Hornets preseason game, you even saw OG Ananobi at five sometimes. So yeah. the Raptors aren't shy about playing small, but you want them to have enough puzzle pieces to 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 be able to match up with certain with certain like like who's guarding Bam on on the Toronto Raptors? Right. It's probably OG Ananobi, right? And look, OG's a fantastic defender, but he maybe Pascal, out. maybe Pascal, maybe. Pascal can do it at times potentially, and obviously Pascal can 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 play four or even a little bit of small ball five if you're not playing against a bruiser. So I see your point, especially in the fact that. They didn't know if they were getting Van Fleet back yet, so it makes sense on the Malachi Flynn, but maybe they yeah. should be taking a flyer on a big in the second round. That's that's exactly yeah. my point. All right, Austin, um, who's the next team we got? We we don't got too much time. We got two two more teams to go through, so we'll we'll kind of go through the lightning around here. My uh, my last team for you, Lee, is the Utah Jazz. They took Udoka Azabuki with, uh, I believe, the twenty seventh pick. What Correct. do you uh, What do you think of? of and they got Udoka Elijah Azubuki. Hughes at thirty nine as well. Austin. There you go, uh, Elijah, Elijah Hughes. Hughes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So you so look, I. Frankly, I have not had to rip very many teams for their draft selection, and I'm going to go ahead and do it here. I gave the Utah Jazz a D. Um, gave them an F minus, so I feel you. I could have done that. I mean, Elijah Hughes saved it a little bit for me, but Udoka Azubuki at 27, I had him at 56. I, I had thought him at 65. Yeah, I thought he was draftable because he's just a complete physical specimen. He brings – Look, if the game didn't have a fast break component, if it was just walk up and down on half court defense and offense, Yudoka Azubuki might be an all NBA player. Problem is, the game isn't that way. You have to be able to run up and down the floor, and he can't do that yet. They He's also a dinosaur. Are, they already have a all NBA center. So I just don't understand reaching for Azubuki at 27. You probably could have got him at 38 or 39, too. Could uh, have, for sure. <laughs> they did the same thing at 38. They reached for Saban Lee, a point guard out of Vanderbilt, who I liked, actually. I almost had Saban Lee in my top 60. He was just right outside of it. But, but he yeah. ended up in Detroit. Saban did Lee did. Saban yeah, Lee they, ended up in Detroit? Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's my fault. Well. No, that's okay. I like Saban Lee, but not that's at 38. <laughs> um, okay, so Elijah Hughes at 39. This did save it a little bit for me. I had Elijah who was 24th, so late first round. Uh, look, the Utah Jazz in the bubble without Bogdanovich had to force Joe Ingles into their starting lineup. They had almost no scoring punch off the bench besides Jordan Clarkson. So Elijah Hughes does offer potentially some scoring punch off your bench, 6'6", shooter, uh, quasi-playmaker from, from Syracuse. So I, I like that. I just The Udoka pick is, is almost criminal in my opinion. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Man, I, uh, you know, if it was any other team, I actually, <clears throat> I actually kind of like Azubuki a little bit. Um, just not with uh, Utah. Um, right. You know, he's he's got tremendous, tremendous size. He's he's a, a monster inside. Obviously, he's going to have to get in a little bit better shape, like you guys said. You know, he he's going to tire quickly. He did improve his mobility and his athleticism a, a little bit this last year, and you know, just the. The, the numbers just jump off the page for him. You know, he had a 31 and 14 with five blocks against TCU. He had 23 and 19 against Baylor. 
Uh, he was the only Big 12 player in the whole year for the whole year to average a double double. And I just feel like he's got he's got the tools and he's got the body to where if if a team gets a hold of him and can get him in in that playing shape a little bit better, he could be he could be you know a, a big time rim protector, a, a, a serious lob threat on a pick and roll. I just don't know what Utah was doing drafting him with with the, with the roster that they already have, and you know it's it's he's probably at least a year or two away from from being in a position where he can kind of maybe make that kind of contribution that I'm thinking of. So, you know, I wasn't too high on this one either. I, I gave them, you know, I'm not as, uh, not as hateful of it as the, uh, you guys. I gave it a C minus, uh, but uh, Elijah Hughes definitely saved it for me. I, I can't even believe I forgot to mention that. I like Elijah Hughes a lot. That was um, waiting for you know, it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that just me dropping the ball today, I guess. Uh, but no, um, Elijah Hughes kind of, kind of saved it a little from giving get them getting a D or an F for me. I like him a lot. I think he's, a, a real versatile player. He's from Syracuse. You know, they, they tend to have Syracuse tends to see a lot of guys get drafted that are in that six, six to six, nine kind of range, real lengthy, you know, long forwards. And for the most part, they tend to pan out. I think Wesley Johnson's a, a pretty, you know, re, you know, a pretty obvious case of one where he didn't, but for, for the most part, I think Syracuse guys tend to tend to make it pretty well. So I just, just minus. yeah, I mean, he, he was rookie yeah, of the I'll, year. Okay, that's a <laughs> you're not gonna trick me. That's a whole nother discussion. But anyway, I mean, even with 39, I like Robert Woodard. I like Jordan Norwa. I like Jameis Ramsey, Isaiah Joe, uh, Cassius Stanley, and Paul Reed all over them. And I think that they actually are better players in a Spurs system, right? So um, F minus for me. The last team that we got, Lee, we got the Washington Wizards. They took Denny Avdia at nine, and they took my guy Cassius Winston in the 50s. I think what 53, 54, somewhere in there. And, uh, you know, so obviously I'm going to like this draft a lot for them. What do you think, Lee? You you saved uh, the team that picked your boy for last. I like how you did that. Um, it's alphabetical, dude. It's not like I did that on purpose. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I gave the Wizards a B. I, I really liked the Denny pick. I thought they got good value for him at eight. Denny was sixth on my board overall. Um, look, Denny uh, is not going to be a great – stick him in the corner, let him stand there and stretch the floor guy. But in Washington, hopefully he's not pigeonholed into that too much. I like to think, especially potentially with their second unit, um, he gets a little bit more of, of, of kind of a motion offense standpoint, although there, there are certainly going to be times where he's going to have to be just kind of that tertiary option with Beal and Westbrook. Um, shooting mechanics, I believe in, although the percentages certainly aren't there yet. So from a statistical standpoint, I can't really point to concrete evidence. I just like what I see from his shot and how it's developing. Um, solid defender, can grab it and go, can push in transition, a big 6'8 wing that has some unearthed playmaking ability. You'll see some impressive kind of like touch feel passes from him. So I like Denny a lot. I think it's a good fit in Washington. I think he's a complimentary piece to some of the other players on their roster. And Cassius Winston, look, he was the best one of, if not maybe besides Malachi Flynn, one of the best pick and roll point guards in, in the entire nation last year in college basketball. Him and Xavier Tillman were just a joy to watch together at Michigan State. He was outside of my top 60, but just barely. So to get him at 53 is completely reasonable in my mind. I know that's probably the biggest disagreement we're going to have, Stephen, by far. We've uh, talked but, about it. So, But I still – look, I still gave it a B because 
Uh, Washington does need some long-term young point guard depth, and Cash Swinston can shoot the rock. So it's not it's not it's not inconceivable to take him there at fifty-three. Yep, and I gave them an A minus. Uh, Avdia was twelfth on my board. I like McDaniel's more, but I understand you know you got to pick safer if if you're this high in the draft, right? So didn't knock him too much for getting Denny there. Although, again, I think McDaniels would have been a fantastic pick for them. And then they got my guy Cassius Winston. I'm unashamed to say that I had him eighth on my board. I just He has no weaknesses in his game. You know, he, He's one of those guys that doesn't have explosive athleticism like we talked about with Malachi Flynn, but the game just seems to move around him. He can shoot. He can run. He can defend. He can pass. He can play on the ball, off the ball. Like If this dude wasn't a senior, you know, like that's really what it is, a senioritis. You know, like he's just old. So obviously there's a reason why he should be drafted this low is because he's old. I think that this dude's going to be like the Fred Van Vliet of this draft pick. If every, I don't believe in the system that he went to, but it looks like they're trying to turn that around. So that's kind of where, uh, where I'm at with this. I gave them an A minus. What did you think, Austin? Um, I was in the B plus. I love the Cassius Winston pick. You know, I think like you said, he, he just like, what does he not do? Well, you know, he can come in right now and kind of lead the offense in that second unit. I think, I think he's somebody that you can put a lot on right off the bat and, and expect him to be able to handle it and, and kind of thrive. So I like that pick a lot. I, I think he was a, a huge, huge value there for them. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, I gave him a B plus. I, I don't know if I'd have him quite as high as eighth, but, uh, he was, he was up there for me for sure. Um, he's somebody that, uh, you know, coming from that, that Tom Izzo school of coaching, yep. you know, I just think he's, he's going to be ready for a pretty big role right off the bat. So I like their picks a lot. I gave him a B plus. Excellent stuff. Well, Lee, man, that, that wraps up our, there are eight teams that we, you know, had left for this and actually wraps up the draft segment. Uh, would love to have you on, you know, in the future to talk about guys that are looking to come in for this, you know, upcoming draft class. And it's full of a lot of talent. Um, before we let you go, man, we just want to first off just say thank you for joining us here on the Breaking the Game show brought to you by the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. And just, you know, let you kind of plug some of the stuff that you have in the works and let the people know where they can find you again. Thanks. Thanks, guys. This uh, this segment that y'all put together and kind of this series of NBA draft reactions have been a blast. Would be happy to come back anytime to talk NBA or kind of early 2021 NBA draft. Obviously, folks can find me on Twitter at which Carolina um, and they can find me on hoopsprospects.com as a, as kind of a, a featured writer. I've got a Charlotte Hornets season preview um article coming out. I've got a NBA Eastern Conference preview article coming out. We've also started our Witch Carolina YouTube channel, um, which you can find. And I've got our most recent interview and podcast there. And of course, you can find the Witch Carolina podcast on any streaming platform. Uh, you guys are the best. You'll have a terrific network, a terrific show and keep the content going because I know you guys are growing and, and deservedly so. Thank you so much, man. That means that means more to us than you'll probably ever know, yes, man. Right, Austin? Yeah, definitely. You know, we say it all the time, but like Steven says, it's not lip service. You know, we love any kind of feedback we get from anybody. We love having you on the show. You know, spoiler alert, I am already working on my 2021 draft big board. So now we're taking the gonna training be, wheels off. I'm going to be, I'm gonna be gonna up there with you guys next you year. So I love so, it. I yeah, love you know, I'm, I'm, I've already dove into a few guys. So, you know, you guys have inspired me to kind of up that portion of my game a little bit. So. You know, I'm, I'm excited to, to be able to kind of hold my own with you guys next time on this. Excellent stuff. And you've done great already, Austin, Austin rightly. Well, thank Agreed. you.
Awesome. All right. Well, Austin, before we go, man, just any basketball related material that you have in the works or, you know, kind of let people know where they can find you. Um, well, you know, you can find me at Off the Ball Network. You can find me on Twitter at Austin Car 10. Uh, you know, we're on Breaking the Game, BTG NBA pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, our website. We're on Dash Radio everywhere. Um, I am still working on my series called Did They Do Enough? Um, and I'm excited to hopefully here soon get done with our uh, our tiers that Stephen and I did, our rankings of NBA players. So I'm excited to get back into that. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much everything basketball-wise I've got going on. Excellent stuff. And as for myself, you can find me here, uh, you know, at Stephen BTG on Twitter, at Stephen W. Gillespie on Instagram. Austin already plugged the, the show's, you know, social media handle at BTG NBA pod. Anywhere where you have social media, you can find that show. Please go to offtheballnetwork.com for all of your sports needs. And, you know, I have an article up on offtheballnetwork.com where I brought up basically how everyone is talking about how COVID is a real thing and everyone's evaluating how all the teams did in their offseason, but no one's really combining the two. So basically, I just wrote an article on like things that you need to consider when you're writing out your predictions that maybe you're not really focusing on right now because it's not really being pushed out by the media. So please go there to check that out. But Lee, again, thank you so much for being on the show. It means the world to Austin and I that you know that you enjoy talking with us as much as we enjoy talking with you, man. Y'all are the best, man. And I can't recommend y'all stuff enough. So anybody out there listening, flock flock to the content on uh, on breaking the game and off the ball. Excellent. All right. Well, for our special guest, Lee, for my awesome co-host, Austin Carr, for myself, for OffTheBallNetwork.com, for the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio, we have been the Breaking the Game show. You, the, the listeners, have been awesome. Be sure to tune in every Monday and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time. We'll get you guys home safely while you get to, you know, kind of relieve the stress from your busy work day on your way home. And we will catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one. Thank you.